on this episode. It's a two months here. She'll have black rings around her eyes. It should be about 220. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be I'm real probably, happy. Uh, I'm probably in a lot of photos, like eating while everybody else is taking the photo and everybody's sitting there waiting. You know, I'm just like, yeah. So I'm not posting this on anything. I kept my Facebook because, or else uh, my grandma wouldn't have any way to send me photos of cats. And then she'd call me and send them directly to my phone. So that way there's a cat, you know, such a currency Barrier. being exchanged. everybody and welcome back to another episode of No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host Mark Pearson and this is my co-host Juan Smith. Hi Juan. Hello Mark. <laughs> yes right. Uh, before we get into things real quick I just want to say thank you to everybody for the shout outs and for contacting us. We love it. Could always get more. I would love to be overwhelmed with, you know, just inbox stuff and voicemails. But hey, you know what? We keep getting more listeners from around the world, and that's exciting because I never really knew how far this would go. It's not, you know, we haven't gone viral or anything, but you know, someday maybe I'm optimistic. But anyways, please reach out to us: Facebook.com/slash No Country Podcast, uh, Instagram at No Country Podcast, Twitter at podcast underscore country you can email us at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com or you if you want to feel like you're being a little bit more intimate with us you can leave us a voicemail at 346-291-0050 now that that's out of the way we have a special surprise for you listeners we have a special guest again today our special guest is andy jensen hola um andy jensen and I have no reason to be a guest host on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, another, all right. We have no reason to be podcasters. Another <laughs> boring white guy. Oh, wait. I think I know how this works, right? My name's Andy Jensen, and my back hurts. You guys, <laughs> I thought that was the theme. I've been listening so far, and I thought the theme was just bitching about, like, being old men. Is that, <laughs> is that how that's it goes? Wad's, that's one shtick. Yeah, okay. so apparently you've listened to every episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm caught up. It's that bad. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have Thank you. Thank uh, you. For the record, I take a regular vitamin. <laughs> a, a typical multivitamin. Not a senior vitamin? Not a centrum. <laughs> I take a multivitamin, bitches. <laughs> All right? It's a green bottle. It's not silver. That's not the most yet. manly somebody sounding saying I take a multivitamin. <laughs> you know, I try and keep in shape. <laughs> Round is a shape. So is pear. <laughs> uh, yeah, so since this podcast <laughs> is about silver linings, uh, Andy is... A, uh, someone that I've known for a few years. He's married to my cousin, and I wanted to have Andy on the show because, one, he's one super sarcastic bastard, and a, uh, he Yeah, also, I caught that. <laughs> he, also, he also has some good silver lining stories because Andy has fought cancer. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, what? How? How exactly did that happen? Because I'm the only person that knew. I knew. I don't even know a lot about that. Uh, but Juan doesn't know anything about that. Neither do our listeners. So I was dating your cousin, and she was going to go to college. I was in my junior year, and I kind of said, ah, you know, fuck this. I didn't really want to go to school. They were actually, I was going to a private school, and they were mm-hmm. selling it. So our next school year was going to be, like, in a trailer, because they're selling the physical school. They're going to rent trailers. And yeah. I'm like, senior year of high school <laughs> in a trailer. Holy shit. That's not, you know, when, when you tell people, like, oh, I went to private school, they're like, oh, you must be rich. Uh, and I'm like, no, this is like a like a different, more like yeah. church cult private school, uh, like 40 students in a high school. So I was trying to skip, and I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'll take my GED, and I'm gonna go to college and be with Erica. Uh, I took my GED. They said, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, let's just get a physical first. Uh, I got diagnosed with lymphoma at my physical two weeks before I was supposed to go to college. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so that was a lot of stress, like, to be at the same time making follow-up appointments and also calling and, like, canceling classes that you're yeah. registered for. Well, it's a good uh, thing you make some moves. Uh, yeah. If you hadn't uh, had the balls to try and make some moves, you might have been too late. That's true. Not not getting a checkup, you know, because I didn't have any really real symptoms. I mean, yeah, because you look, I mean, you're a young, healthy, white-looking white guy. Yeah. Who, who would have uh, known? You know, I was 17. It was it was an interesting turn of events. And then the oncologist, sorry, one second. <laughs> then the oncologist said, uh, well, you know, you're going to have to drop out of school. Uh, you can't really be around people on chemo. And I was like, yay, done. Been there, done that, got the GED. Yeah. Uh, and I was set. And the best part was, I think the best part is just all the little experiences I've gotten from that whole process. Uh, but taking my GED, and I did it at a job core. Because uh, that's mm-hmm. who was hosting the test, and that was the first time I had been in a job corps. Like you got wanded down and searched on the way in. I couldn't tell what I, I thought it was a school. And it's it's like a penitentiary. Well, it's better uh, than a trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and I the next section was math, and the guy next to me is like, "You you doing all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing okay." And he's like, "I'll ace this next section. I'm real good at math. Only thing that trips me up is them fractions." Uh, and I was like, "Oh." oh <laughs> Oh no! Uh, but that's, that's where you understand the difference between private school. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's New Mexico in a nutshell, though. Yeah, uh, they're they're doing okay, but they just don't get the fractions. They're not. <laughs> not unless it has you know something to do with meth. Yeah, there you go. I uh, would say that Breaking Bad is not too far off. Some of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it could be it could be pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I've seen some burned out cars in the desert. Like, okay. Uh, who knows what they're doing in there? Yeah. Um but you know, I, I got diagnosed, uh pretty instantly, unpacked all my shit. Uh to to go the fast forward route, I had two years of chemo and radiation, kind of intermittent, not all straight back to back. Like six mm-hmm. months here and then a break in six months. Can I ask uh, what not, type of cancer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, T-cell lymphoma. Oh, my goodness. So non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's a lot of different types. Some can be aggressive, some aren't. I don't know if they're just being optimistic, but one of the doctors said, if I could pick a cancer, like, to have, I'd pick one of this variety. That, like, it's cancer, but it often responds to treatment. It's not like prostate cancer or something where, you know, you're dead. Pancreatic yeah, cancer. Pancreatic cancer is the worst. 
so, you know, it was encouraging, but it wasn't really responding to treatment. Ended up having a bone marrow transplant. Oh uh, so if you tested, yeah, if you test my blood. And like what? You'd been about, what, 18 then? Uh, yeah, 18, probably turning 19, because I was diagnosed oh. at 17. It was right in there. You're literally the same age as my son about, so that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, just, just coming out of high school. And uh, bone marrow transplant worked. Basically gave me a new immune system from a donor mm-hmm. and uh, slowly put me into remission. Uh, and here I am. I don't, I'm a pretty bad timekeeper. That's Erica's job. <laughs> but I'm going to say like uh, eight or nine years in remission. Could be seven, could be 11, yeah. something like that. I'm it's nice eight. when it's been long enough you, don't, you can't count. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, That's... if you also asked me like my mom's birthday, it'd be in that same, <laughs> same bucket of things I can't. You're like sometime between January 1st and December 31st. Uh, Plus or minus three days, you know. (laughs) Speaking of buckets, Mark, that bucket uh, got another use today, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, it was a surprise attack about 7.30 this morning. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I wasn't going to make it in the house, and uh, yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Well. I won't be using that bucket. <laughs> so uh, after after a uh, after the chemo, you went back to college. Uh, yeah, so I was in remission. I, I wasn't even declared in remission yet, but I had gone through everything, done all the mm-hmm. treatment, and was just kind of sitting around and doing nothing. Uh, so I enrolled. It was kind of like a cart before the horse thing because I was feeling pretty shitty. Uh, yeah. I was still throwing up a lot. I didn't have a lot of energy. But I was also just laying around. I was living with my mom. Mm-hmm. And just sort of, I had a TV in my bedroom. And it had Netflix as a smart TV. Uh, so I was <laughs> psyched. Uh, so next thing you know, I was just kind of sitting there not doing anything. And enrolled and went to school sick the first semester pretty much. And just sort of mind over matter. And symptoms mm-hmm. started disappearing down the road. Uh, and pretty much, pretty much symptom free now. Uh, lung capacity issues. Little, which is radiation damage to the lungs. Yeah. Besides that, uh, pretty easy going. Uh, wow, honestly, yeah, you never hear about that. Yeah, a little about side like effects like that. The side effects of going through the chemo, you know. Yeah, that's the huge part, and a lot of that's that's honestly, for the most part, uh, the chemo was harder than anything else. You know, like the chemo is harder than the cancer. Yeah. The chemo and the really? radiation that were causing issues. I was diagnosed pretty much symptom-free. That is a crazy, crazy story. I mean, the odds of that happening, and then, man. Did you, uh, while you were going through chemo, was it hard? Were you, like, struggling with depression, or were you pretty optimistic? Uh How did you get through those two years of having to go through treatment all the time and not being able to really live a normal life? The hardest part of it really was, like, having to watch family, because Mm -hmm. at one point it's like, oh, it's harder to watch somebody else suffer than yourself, but at the same point, it's a lot harder to listen to somebody else whine and moan all the time when, like, they're not sick, Yeah. and they're sitting there crying, and, like, you're watching Spongebob, you're like, can you give me a moment at least, you know, like, I gotta turn it up, I can't hear Patrick, you're sitting there (laughs) sobbing, you don't have cancer. Back up, Grandma. You know, don't hug me. So it was, it was an interesting. I'm not gone yet, Jesus. 
it's, it's an interesting mixture. Uh, yeah. But it was it was most frustrating, honestly, to see other people coping with it to an extent because I I kind of. Uh, I feel like if I had to go back and choose to get diagnosed or not, I'd I'd do it again because I was kind of a shithead in high school, and yeah. I think it kind of leveled me out and uh, made me develop. And it was frustrating that when I was trying to develop to see everybody else kind of breaking down, and I'm like, come on, I'm the only one here trying to like manage this mentally. You guys yeah. got to at least give it an effort. Yeah, um, that is something that I. I really do believe in like I don't wish hard times upon anybody, but through my own experiences in my life, as you've heard as a listener of the podcast, uh, hard times can make you a better person if you choose to let it in. If you choose to face it with like positive energy and a positive attitude and go, what can I learn from this or how can this make me a better person? And not everybody chooses to respond to tragedy or to setbacks in that way. And it can turn people into some pretty nasty people. And it's always encouraging to hear when someone's like, you know, I have this terrible thing happen to me, but you know, I'm not going to be like a dickhead 18 year old anymore or whatever. Yeah. For sure. Ah, the uh, days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got me reflecting. I was didn't realize we were going to be such kindred spirits there. <laughs> some people grow and mature and learn from their life struggles, and well, some of us just don't. <laughs> some just live in a barn. Yeah, I wish I had a barn right now. I, I so wish. I have a, uh, I'm in a duplex, and I have like an outdoor shed thing attached to the carport that I call yeah. the garage. And Erica has to correct me. We'll be out somewhere, we're bowling with friends, and I'm like, she's like, oh, where'd you put the weed whacker? Oh, it's in the garage. You mean the shed? I'm like, uh, just, just give me this. Just let me say I have a garage. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I've been the guy with the shed, and the shed I stole from another property. <laughs> so I was like, bitch, just. Why you gotta fuck it up? It's already, <laughs> the situation's already bad enough as this. Why you gotta fucking correct me? Just, just, like just you're with you're with me. What are you trying not to make plans? Come on, <laughs> you're supposed to build let me up. Exactly, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> building, building, like a real building, not like a shed. <laughs> She's like, I gotta, I gotta go out and run, get some from the garage. And you know, I feel like it's a garage. I got my toolbox in there, and for a little tiny thing, I've got it pretty jam packed. Like I've got an air compressor, and a little, you know, toolbox well, and light. Well, it makes me feel any better. I have a garage here, but it's so full of uh, DJ shit and a golf cart, and it doesn't matter that it's a garage. It's just full of junk. Ah, oh. junk. And at one point, it had a box with like fifteen grand in it. Yeah, a little stack of cash there. <laughs> that's in the side business. Next to the fog machine. I was like, what's this? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> uh, I guess we're going shopping. <laughs> I was going to say, it's funny. Like, you have a garage, you have a shed, Andy, and I have a porch. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I am like true redneck. I'm just like. I'll put it on the porch. <laughs> Is it like outside, like one of those like sliding doors? It no, like, oh, I don't okay. have a sliding door, uh. but it's still a covered porch. Uh. Okay. It's quite a sizable covered porch. If there wasn't like poles on the ends, I could drive my car under there and make it like a carport, which is what I wanted to do, but <clears throat> but I didn't. 
And actually, it's probably good that I didn't because uh, last week we yeah, had man. a tropical storm that came through. And we outside my, my house is a built up on piers. And we had like mm, 10 to 12 inches of water in my front yard. I had to like move my car to the high side of the property. And then I got stuck because the ground was so soft. And it was, it was, I don't know, maybe a good like four or five hours, maybe six hours. But I wasn't really worried about my house. I was more worried about the car getting flooded. But after the rain finally stopped, like it all drained away pretty fast. But a few of the neighborhoods nearby got hit really hard. There's probably 100 homes that got flooded pretty bad. You mean the water was so deep you were worried about your car being flooded? Yeah. Then like the house being damaged? It looked, yeah. I saw some pictures on Facebook. It looked bad. Yeah, well, he Dude, doesn't drive road? a horse. His, his, he doesn't have a what is it F three fifty. Yeah, I don't have a. I have it's a tiny a little, little ground. I have, a, I have a Dodge Magnum. It sits like four inches off the ground. Oh, those <laughs> so are at least cool, a Magnum. Like it's not a Prius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet those are but, fun in the rain. <laughs> God, God <laughs> damn, <Yeah>. electric. <laughs> The road, the the house here sits higher than the road. The road was like under two and a half feet of water. Wow. So, yeah, I wasn't like I haven't really ever worried about my house flooding just because it's raised up on blocks and piers, which is one like it's it's funny because like I live in this neighborhood and it's not we're not in the city like we're technically in the city of Porter, but um, it's kind of like on the outskirts between Porter and Kingwood. So we're like kind of between the two places. Well, Andy's been here. He knows it's not like in the city. It's not in a development or a subdivision or anything. Kind of like where I live then. Yeah. It's, but it's more, more populated, more homes around than your place. There's homes more frequently down the road, but like most of the other homes, they just put them like flat on the ground. So like anytime the water raises a little bit and it's Houston. So everything's a swamp. Everything just floods. And I'm like, well, why didn't, why didn't when the people build the house? I would like. Why didn't you raise it up a foot? Like half the house is here that way anyway. But I was like, why? Did, why would someone even consider building a house that wasn't raised up in this area? I just don't understand it. But it was crazy because in a, another part of Houston where uh, my niece lives, Amanda, she said just down the street, like a couple streets down from their house, is one of the big bayous. And every time it rains, that bayou floods. Well, there was like after the storm. She said, like, down the street in the bayou by their house, they found a dead dude in the trunk of a car that was swept away. And it was like, so, like, they went to find this car that had gotten flooded, and there was a dead guy in the trunk of the car. So I was like, well, who wanted that guy to disappear? Someone I was like, that's crazy. Was that on purpose, or, like, was that an accident? Like, how did that happen? Well, I think that explains her neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it does. My, it's got uh, good ma- my neighborhood, you're more likely to get a citation for not mowing your yard. <laughs> or for than, your heavy Than cat. have a dead guy in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I live in the country, too. There's not a whole lot that goes on out here. No. Other than, you know, the witchcraft 20 yards behind me. Or uh, the zombie dog. In the woods. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes I think about going and visiting that damn dog. <laughs> I would like to see pictures. I'll have to find them. I think Joel had some once. I don't know. <laughs> Next time I'm there, we have to go find Zombie Dog. That would be enjoyable. So how long <coughs> has it been now, like total time since this happened? Like, where are you at right now? Uh, So, I mean, I had my transplant in 2011. So mm-hmm. I was probably in remission by, like, 2012. Give the transplant some time to work. Uh, So then 
seven years in remission from then. I, I basically go like once a year and get a checkup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then it's kind of, uh, most, most all the doctors say once a year. I had one lady that just said like, when you have an issue or if you're worried about it, come and see me. Besides that, you, you're, you're okay, you know, okay, which I don't really like. That day. scares me. Yeah. Uh, just because that's how I was diagnosed. I didn't have any symptoms when I got diagnosed. So they're like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know that could, ha- I didn't really realize that could even happen. I know it sounds probably totally ignorant, but yeah. you know, I didn't know that. Wow. And I had that, a match. That had to that be was like, like, how did you? I mean, because that was so unexpected. How did that hit you? Like, were you just like in denial, or like? Uh, I mean, I've always been somewhat level-headed to an extent, but usually, like, like my dad was very kind of cold to you know, not not in a bad way, but kind of. I think Mark knows what I'm talking about. Talking to yeah. his dad. Uh, cool and collected, and like like when you're crying, he's like, "Well, son, explain to me why it is that you're crying." And then you're you're sobbing and telling him, and he's like, "I can't hear you. You're sobbing. Bring it down, son, son." <laughs> uh, so so like I had a lot of practice in some mental fortitude there, and I drew yeah. on that a whole lot. And uh, so I'm parenting correctly. Thank you. Oh uh, yeah, apparently, <laughs> as long as it's all in moderation. I always felt mine was a little too bad, like. He'd be crying and he'd make you do something, you know. I remember I, I, yeah. I, he gave me a dirt bike and I wrecked the dirt bike and I'm sobbing. And he literally forced me to immediately get back on it and keep riding. And you're just like sobbing your head off, your knees bleeding. And he's like, keep riding. And I rode and fell again like right after. Get on the bike again. And he's like, because, you know, you're eight. You fall yeah. off the bike you're and you eight. get scared of it. I thought it was like during the time you're like trying to get distracted. He's like, no, I was like a little kid. Yeah, I was eight. <laughs> Uh, oh. But, you know, and his theory was, like, if you get scared and go back inside, next day you don't want to ride your bike. You yeah. end on a happy note, and he's going to, gosh darn well, make sure you end on a happy <laughs> note. And if you're crying, you're going to fucking ride that bike till you're happy. You know what's <laughs> fucked up is my my uh, my oldest stepson, my his grandfather rides dirt. They all ride dirt bikes. And that exact thing just happened this summer where he, all of a sudden, he crashed, cried. Didn't want to ride anymore. I mean, he invested a lot of money in this kid, you know, and all the gear and the bike. And and that was it. He didn't make him get back on that thing, and he has not gotten on it since. Yeah. So there's uh, probably some truth to that theory. And all through yeah. college, I rode. I didn't have a car for, like, five years. And right now there's three bikes in the driveway. Well, four bikes, three with motors in them in the mm-hmm. driveway. Uh, wow. So you got to stick to it. One of them's Erica's. Oh, she rides too. That's awesome. She, I, I taught her. She's got her own little street bike now. Yeah, That's my awesome. my wife dirt bikes. I can't imagine her on the street. That's a death sentence. But <laughs> apparently, she does okay in the woods. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you just don't want her jeopardizing the health and safety of the general public. No, but I want to ride a bike though. <laughs> I haven't got to yet. But you me, and, come me and Mike are uh, we don't have a great history. I mean, I know Mike rides has ridden too and all that, but I. Oh yeah. You know about moderation. <laughs> Don't got a lot of that going on, so probably not really good for me to be riding bikes too much. I've taught three people, and two of them have wrecked instantly, pretty much. Oh uh, my goodness! But they that's were my both, guy. <laughs> I think they were both your people. I think they exactly. were both Juan's people. They just, they were like, yeah, I know. I went around the corner, and then I just gave it a handful of gas, and next thing you know, I hit that pole. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that happens. 
That's that's what bikes do. You take you know physics much sometimes. But, and then the third one's Erica. She's never wrecked. She does great. So I, I, it might be the person more. But I'm probably it, a crap teacher. Well, I, I, okay. I've been riding bikes since like I was a kid. I've had my motorcycle license for fifteen. No, I've had my motorcycle license for about twenty years. And I took the California Highway Patrol like state safety course when I got my license. Uh, you have to get a <coughs> license. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, and... I skipped that part. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> but I understood like pretty quickly, like you have to have a certain amount of respect for like the motorcycle because it can kill you. But even worse, everybody else out there can kill you more. It's w- way more riskier than all the other people in cars because they oh, yeah. typically don't see you like there's been plenty of times where I had a bunch of narrow misses or I was being a little stupid. But I don't think bikes are all that unsafe. Like, you know, sometimes like Jasmine will be like, oh, you want a motorcycle? They're dangerous. They're scary. I'm like. They're fun. I mean, well, they're scary the, when someone can't see Here's the thing about a bike, you. though. A bike is much more responsive than a car. So, in a sense, they're yeah. safer because if you got to avoid something on a bike, you're going to do it way quicker than you could ever do it. And you have a, you're a smaller mass. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Depends the on the danger, bike and it depends on the The real danger in riding is just other <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. It's the guy in my truck that's an idiot and doesn't watch out for bikes. It's a blind short guy behind a 8,000-pound <laughs> diesel. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's who you ten, gotta watch out for. It's it's actually ten thousand empty. Ten, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> empty. But I actually okay. uh I so actually you, do watch is, out. Is, oh with me it's like that's uh that's ten thousand five. It's ten uh, five? Okay, that's all momentum. But yeah, I I mean I constantly watch that's my fear. I don't want to miss a bike. Like I don't yeah. want to not see them because I wouldn't feel that. I don't think I'd hear it maybe, but that's like my fear is of of motorcycles isn't riding them. It's it's hitting one or like, you know, not seeing somebody because everybody I know in my family rides and basically everybody's had some idiot, you know, caused some accident. And, you know, and half the time uh, their injuries are not minor. No. You know what I mean? So uh, I just that's that's like one of my fears that and running over a kid. Mm. So I'm very careful, uh, and it's hard when half the motorcyclists are assholes too. When you're yeah, you're trying to watch help. for them, and they're doing 120. You know, yeah. that does happen. But I didn't know like, when I went to California, like they can ride that center. Mm. So yeah, here, sharing. Yeah, here they can't do that. So with the first time I'm like, you know, in California, I was on a bike just yeah, right between. <laughs> I was like, what the, you know. <clears throat> And then he tells me that's legal, and I was like, "You're kidding me!" Uh huh. Supposedly, wow. it's supposed to be actually safer, like less, yeah. because they do it in Europe and they have less accidents. But in, and I think it is at yeah, red light situations. The idea is a lot yeah. of motorcyclists just get rear-ended at red lights. Yeah. So they say the bikes filter up to the front. If somebody gets rear-ended, they're not getting crushed back in the back. And then it also keeps them out of traffic, gets them out of the way. You know, lets everybody else scoot up because the bikes take up no space, and they get to beat everybody off the light. But on, like, the highway, when you're zipping past people, there's also supposed to be a speed limit thing. So if they're doing 50, you can only do, like, so many percent over that, you know, 55. So when they're passing you at, like, 100, they're still breaking the law, even though they're legal to be there. But Well, when they do that, I'm just like, "Ah, apparently you don't want to live. 
Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I've done something like that like twice in my life in Texas, and it's illegal in Texas. <clears throat> and usually it's been in oh shit situations where you're overriding, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm doing 110, and I realize there's a car there I didn't see. So you you <laughs> literally hit the middle and pass them because that's the only way to pass them without yeah bugging into the back of the window. Yeah. And yeah. that since then I've matured quite a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I've got a sport bike, but I'm trying to sell it, actually. Which, now that I know Mark's such an avid rider, I might not sell it till you're back. Hang, hang on that till uh, hang on to that till uh, November. I would love to ride that. What kind of sport bike is it? Uh, R6 Yamaha. Ooh! But it's the nice. first generation, so it's the most, like, racetracky. Like, it's the most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. then the next generation, they keep getting a little more upright. This one's not yeah. meant for the street much. Oh, and it's got nice bald tires, and... The chain's a little stretched, and it needs brakes. <laughs> Literally. No exaggeration. The chain adjusters passed the max by a quarter inch. I was just like, ah, I'll stretch it more. So uh, it's a death trap. It's ready to be sold. Yeah. It's ready to be sold. And then hey, I've got two dirt bikes. can't say he didn't warn you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've taken it to 160 in, in, that, in that condition. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I have a will, so it, it just depends on if you're comfortable with it i have nothing to pass on to anyone so i'm fine oh there you go <laughs> yeah all my wills just debt assignment <laughs> you get this student loan you get this one car loan to erica god if i die it's gonna be like vultures are gonna descend with vehicles and they're just gonna start loading up trucks <laughs> <laughs> I, I want the casino machines <laughs> I know, man, and I got my other one back, so now I got four again. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have a guy coming tomorrow. That's uh, he's this just big, big dude because I can't move this shit. It's all heavy. Yeah. So tomorrow he's supposed to come and help me move out both crane machines, all the slot machines, the dartboards, everything. It's because it's all heavy, so I can like get this place ready for winter. Because in winter I like to play pool, so I want to clear out the pool room and everything. So I, you know, that's my chill thing to do in the winter. So, uh, literally chill. Yeah. But, I was going to uh, say that barn would be cold in the winter, right? I run, I run heat out here. Okay. I run AC yeah. in the summer. I run okay. heat in the winter. It's, uh, it's the weird. It's really inefficient shacky. heaters and ACs. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really shacky, but comfortable. <laughs> like, when you're, listen, when you're fat, I can't be cold or hot. It's got to be just right. Original and Yeti. Then, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. It's it's my cave for the fat guy, so it's like if anyone else is cold or hot, I'm like, I ah, don't care. <laughs> it's for my dad bear ass, so but not bear ass. I mean, fuck. I walked right into that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, and then I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna back right out of it. No, you're not. <laughs> Wrong podcast. You go back to the one where you fucked up at. I'll probably welcome over there. <laughs> By the way, you are uh, quite witty. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. My father would be <laughs> proud and yet mildly disappointed. <laughs> mildly disappointed? Mm, Why? It could have been wittier. Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, a little pressure growing up. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I got, one, I got one of my kids yesterday, man. I got this call from the school. Uh, one of my kids got in a fight on the bus. And uh, I was not happy, man. I was like, come on. I'm like, wait till that kid gets off the bus. 
and have the speech with him. Wait till he gets off. Don't do that shit on the bus. Gosh, I got a whole. I was, it was, I, I was gonna rant about it, but I'm not gonna right now. But uh, it's just so frustrating when there's like, the philosophy now is that there's no bullying anymore, mm, and yeah. it's just a, it's a bunch of bullshit. The bullies are still there. They're still getting away with it. The only difference is now nobody's comfortable to retaliate. Because okay, then, yeah. you know what I mean? So now it's like you got these kids getting picked on from kindergarten, the same damn kids all the way up through, you know. So by sixth and seventh grade, it's no wonder they're shooting the shit up. Like, <laughs> like I think they should just go back to like, like, look, man, let's be real. Let's go back and let kids fight. Like in the old days. When the kids yep. had a dispute, they punched each other in the eye. That's worse. They're not blowing your head off. Like, let them handle the bullies and work it out, man. Now that, That's my new philosophy on that, man. It's like Now it's like the kids are afraid to get in trouble for even, like, trying to stand up to them or anything else. So everyone just pretends there's no problem. Meanwhile, Billy's at home counting bullets for seven years, you know, and then comes in and <laughs> shoots the shit up. Then everyone goes, I don't know why. Because they got picked on every fucking day for seven years and never had an outlet. So he found one. Your ass. Like, you know, I don't know. So I'm just telling my kids, fuck the PC. Next time a kid touches you, blast that bastard in the face. Hit him as hard as you can in the nose. Make him remember you. So next time he wants to pick on someone, it's probably not going to be you. So I went and talked to the principal and told him my philosophy. And yeah. uh, he completely disagreed. <laughs> but I told him, Shocking. listen, if you can't protect my kids, I'm not going to have them physically assaulted at school. Like, it's just like how it is when you're an adult. If a dude assaults you on the street, you have the right to defend yourself. I told him, my kids have the right to defend themselves. If a kid walks up and hits my kid, I expect my kid to hit that kid back. Because I'm not going to have him be picked on to the point where he has crippling depression. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm the parent that goes, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I shot everyone. I don't want to be that parent. I want to be the one to be like, you know, your son has a problem with violence and anger. Um, yeah, but it's rightly displaced on the right people, not the wrong people. Definitely. Anyways, I'm done with that rant, but yeah, that was my... <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with from... that. Like, uh, but I, I think was... people would understand that, right? Yeah. I understand that. When I was like... 10 through maybe like 12 or 13 there was a guy that would pick on me and my brother and one day he he would like always like harass us he never would like really physically bully us too much but then he started doing that a little bit more so one day he like jumped on my brother and started choking him so my brother just kicked him in the nuts and then he left us alone for like a month or two and then he came back like later and did the same thing to me and then uh, another kid that I know came up and like kicked him in the kidneys and I kicked him in the nuts and he never bothered us again. <laughs> Cause I was like, just, I was like, somebody's choking me. I'm not going to sit there and take it. Yeah. No, I, and I think I was like 12 at that time and I didn't go tell my parents. I didn't go tell his mom. I just took care of it myself and jumped told head. my brother and the other kid, Hey, thanks. And he left us alone. And back in the day, that kid understood that and didn't go home and complain. And then have his parents come in and thinking he's the perfect child and shit. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's the thing I do. I try to talk to other parents sometimes, but usually when it's a shitty kid, the parents are even shittier. Yeah. And then I feel sorry for the kid. Like, dang, no wonder you're such a little shit. Your mom and dad suck. Like, you know, <laughs> but I mean, because I, I'm not a violent person. I don't even like fighting. I don't like any of it. I, like I said, I talked my way out of everything growing up practically. I got in like maybe one or two fights in high school. 
But the first one was the first day I went to school. I didn't know anybody. I went to a boarding academy, right? And you wouldn't think there'd be those problems there, but there was back then. And I got bullied the first day. And I was little, right? I I just told my mom this story for the first time yesterday. (laughs) And in Mm -hmm. a nutshell, we got in a fight. And I I hit him, knocked him down. I went to go get down on top of him because I was going to keep beating his face in. He rolls back, and I hit him in the ass, but right in the tailbone. I think I told this story before. And I compressed his spine, and he had a seizure. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. But the point was, I didn't have to fight again after that. (laughs) I was the littlest kid, one of the littlest kids in school. No one, that was it. But if I, but I really feel like if I had just taken that, I would have been picked on every freaking day. And like, I'm trying to get an education. This shit's expensive, man. That private school shit that I went to wasn't in a trailer. And it was, you know, it was expensive. My parents had three of us in there. My mom put three of us through private school by herself. So it was like, you know, I'm not trying to waste this money, but um, and what's I, you know, what's really funny? That kid now is a uh, a big power player in a in a uh, in like the whole teacher church school thing. He's like mm-hmm. he's like in the conference and everything now. So every time I see him, I picture him flopping on the floor. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of spit coming out. Oh my the only other time I got in a fight in, in all of high school was a guy who his sister was picking on my sister, my twin sister, and I couldn't hurt her. So, yeah, you know, shit happens. But it, it took care of the situation. You know what I mean? Because my sister yeah. took care of me when I was a kid and beat up the fourth grade bully and knocked his ass out. And, you know, I owed her one. But I'm just saying, but like, you can't do these things anymore now. Then they look no. at your kid like your kid is the problem. You know, and I'm like. Listen, sometimes there's just some shitty people and some men, and I talk about this all the time because I mentor a lot of young guys. And they're, listen, I'm, I'm not saying I'm totally against violence. I just say it's the last resort and usually not for your own pride, but for like maybe protecting another person or you know, something else. Like if the dude just cusses me out, that happens like every day in traffic. I don't care. But when it's life and death, sometimes there are people that only respond to one thing. Mm-hmm. physical dominance. And mm-hmm. if you don't physically demonstrate yourself to that particular kind of male, he will assume you're his bitch forever. Yeah. And I just can't be around that shit. You know, so I avoid those people or, you know, if I'm in a situation where I have to be, you know, be with someone or work with someone like that, that shit gets taken care of right away. Because I don't like... I do not like people that feel that they're better than other people or if they're having a bad day, they want to rub that shit in everyone else's bad day and make, you mm. know what I mean? That that negative chain effect of bullying is so bad. They don't yeah. understand what they do to these kids. I have other kids that I know that suffer bullying daily and bad. Girls too, man. Worse. Boys yeah. assaulting them, saying rude things to them, and like they really feel like they don't have a voice now. Because everyone just pretends that we're all, you know, hands across America. Yet at the same time, every other week, schools are getting shot up. Matter of fact, the lady I just talked to yesterday, twice last week, really close to here, an elementary school got shut down because they, if they even hear gunshots, they shut mm-hmm. the school down. But it's a rural school. So you have these people that own property on either side of this elementary school that own, you know, hundreds of acres. And then, you know, they slightly hear a shot and now they got to shut the whole school down. Happened uh-huh. twice last week. 
So it's like, you know, I don't think this this political correctness movement, I'm not much about we don't talk do politics here on this podcast or anything, but like there's something about pretending that there's not a problem when there is and just, you know, not dealing with it and then calling it something else. And I think those kind of uh, philosophies and thinkings are basically straight pussy. All right. That's <laughs> what I think of it. You're just a bunch of weak, you know. And it, it's not about like being manly is like being mean or being physical and being tough at all. But as a human being, I feel that everyone should have the right to not be hassled. Just, yeah. you know. And able to stand up for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I feel that people should be able to stand up for them or have someone stand up for them. Yeah. But you shouldn't you shouldn't ever have to just let other people just walk all over you constantly. Yeah, and it's okay for you to say no, this is going to stop and you're not going to continue to do this to me anymore. Yeah, and the, it, it's just simple simply having boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to mess with my kids, I don't mess with your kids, your kids don't mess with my kids. You know, it, vice versa. Just you know. But now boundaries kids, extend. Everybody's boundaries extend into everybody else's boundaries. Yeah, there's just got to be anything, certain, especially in a school. Yeah, and there yeah. has to be a certain amount. We have to go back to where there's just a certain amount of respect that everyone at least gives each other out of the gate. And now everyone feels that everyone has to earn every bit of respect. Look, listen, when you're in public, you need to be respectful of people around you. That's all, you know. And it's it it's just not that way anymore. People That's the glue are of society. Yeah, and it's, it's coming undone. And people are, I'm, I almost daily sometimes am like jaw dropping, like mouth open at how brutal people can be in public. Like the stuff they'll say to even a worker, like a cashier or a waitress or a waiter yeah. or something, the stuff they say, I'm like, when did we get into society where you feel you can be that rude to somebody and that's just okay? You know, I, that's unbelievable to me. I've, uh, I, I've worked the front desk at a medical clinic, uh, you know, checking in patients and stuff mm-hmm. uh, and talk about like good practice for just getting yelled at. Yeah. It's good. Oh, like maintaining that resting somehow. face, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm good at that. I can be, I, I can be yelled at a long time. <laughs> I have experience there. I do the nod with the, with the half smile because yeah. uh, they can't say like, I'm totally being shitty. Yeah. But I'm clearly letting them know by the nod that I'm you're just droning on to me and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I have to sit here apparently because this is my job. So, yeah, yep. I, I don't like when people are like that. Uh, like in a doctor's office, like I call them out. I was in a doctor's office just yesterday, and it was uh, it was on air conditioned. Uh, I think I think the doctor was from Calcutta. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was real comfortable, but the rest of us wanted to die. And even the staff weren't complaining. And I was like, I leaned in and I was like, I don't understand. Half your staff's fat. How come no one's complaining? I'm dying over here. You know, <laughs> she's like, oh, well, you know, we're just kind of used to it. And I was just like, why does your office look like a bodega? Like there's no, there's no pictures on the walls. There's no, there's not stock of anything. Like there wasn't like a a jar with pens and then like, you know, a calendar in the background. Every wall was empty. I was like, what is this place? It was a pain clinic. Yeah. So it's a pop-up. It's government subsidized pain clinic. Yeah. And uh, so I had taken my mom there because, you know, with this opiate epidemic thing now, getting pain meds is like very difficult. Even for people that are, you know, my mom, 80 years old, been in opiates forever. 
It's like you did. You guys made the mess. Let her finish it off. Jesus, you know. Come on, let her go out with a buzz and some little itching, something, you know. But <laughs> no, nope, they're just gonna cut that shit off. So everybody gets on heroin and starts dying left and right. I had two more people die this week, heroin overdose. Because they are we allowed to do plugs? What's that? Sorry, are we allowed to do plugs? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Okay, so here's a plug. Maybe you can get them as a sponsor. Uh, considering the opium epidemic and heroin epidemics, mm-hmm. weed. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not as just for the guy laying on his couch, uh, that, that's lazy. Uh, but weed is the reason why I went through cancer with no real prescriptions. Uh, nothing worked. Uh, literally nothing. Got a medical card in New Mexico, used it during treatment. Uh, and I went from 140 pounds to 200 pounds in like four months, five months. But I went from 240 to 140 in three Whoa. months. Throwing up. Because I'm six foot three, yeah. So I was pretty normal at 220. 240 is a little heavy. Uh, dropped to 140. Nothing worked. Not for and this then, guy. Yeah. <laughs> they make a synthetic pill form of weed that's only available to cancer and AIDS patients, and it's only recognized for appetite stimulant. Uh, so, but your insurance covers it. You can get it at Walgreens. Uh, so I started taking that, but it had like a bunch of weird effects. Like it would make you kind of high, but it was like a weird. It was uncomfortable. And I Googled it, and it's because it's like a chemical, like they're separating everything out of the weed except one chemical. And it's just mm-hmm. unbalanced. Uh, so I got a medical card and started using So it that. wasn't just CBD. It had THC no, in it. No, it just... was straight up like THC because oh, they'd, say, THC. Take, they'd say take two, and if you took six and put on some Pink Floyd, like it was, it was a good time. <laughs> you know, so it, it wasn't CBD. Okay, that's uh, what I thought. I was going to say, so it's, it definitely had THC in it. But you know if it was like, uh, it? was it a sativa or was it? A... See, it's, oh, it's, it was Marinol is the drug name, but it's it's literally like made in a lab, so I doubt it's, uh, oh, I got you. I, who okay. knows what it is. Uh, but, well, you know, because, when I was uh, using, I'd use sativa typically. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I don't talk about this at all on the podcast. and I you know, Because I, myself, only because I don't want people to focus and think, I I grew up basically where weed was this just horribly bad thing. It was a drug. Yeah. It was you know, and uh, but like myself also, I suffer from fibromyalgia, and actually, which is just a general term for like nerve disorder and all that kind of stuff. And we're still trying to figure out what's wrong with me exactly. But I suffer from horrible pain almost daily, and a lot of days. Let's just put it this way. I cannot hold the job because of the pain. It's just beyond, like, it's beyond what I can handle. I tried everything on earth to deal with this pain for about five years. And I heard about Michigan got uh, medical marijuana. You know, you could get a medical card. Mm. And someone uh, suggested that I try that. And I was so adamant against it because in my mind, you know, it's just, you know, it's all the same. I didn't know anything about the science. Dope. I didn't know about the different strains. I didn't know how it worked. But I tried it, and within five minutes of the first time I smoked it, I didn't realize that I had not felt no pain in so long that I didn't. I did not know how to process it. It was yeah. so weird, and pretty much smoked every day since. Got my card, and it's the way that I deal with it. I get like through most of my day, and then, but I again, you know, I have the card. I. I get strains that are specific for pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stuff for pain tends to be not the fun stuff that people always think about when they think of weed. 
you know, the mm-hmm. real trippy stuff. Uh, however, if you eat too much in a brownie and do a podcast, it can make it kind of difficult uh, for the listeners that have followed this podcast. Uh, that live podcast, I don't remember shit. Uh, I wasn't offended one iota because I couldn't even hardly open my eyeballs. I uh, About 15 minutes before the podcast, I thought, Joe Rogan was right. I should not have ate the whole thing. Should have ate the leg. Should have ate the leg. Just the leg. And now I'm, I don't know where I'm going. And, but that doesn't really happen very often. Just the worst times. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I totally understand that. And now it's like I'm in this weird spot where it's like I want people to know more about it, but I don't want it to be an imbalanced thing in my life where it's like I'm the focus of my life. Because you don't want to become a, there's a pothead. You know? Yes. Well, and that's the other thing. It's so hard to separate Stigmatize. the medical stigma versus the traditional, you know, what we've seen in the last 40 years has been projected as. Because yeah. prior to the 40 years ago, it was still considered basically mostly a medicine. Um, it was just a lot of propaganda that pushed it the other way. And then a lot of idiots uh, really helped push it <laughs> with the way that they... Uh, you know, portray the, the drug culture. And that's why I didn't want any part of that. Um, yeah. But as far as a medicine, man, it's, it, it, I didn't want to take opiates. I've known too many people that have died. Like I just said, two more people I knew this last week passed away. And I didn't want to be any part of that. I know I have an addictive personality. I don't need that shit in my life. Um, so I just kept trying to deal with it other ways. I tried massage, acupuncture, meditation, like uh, everything. And this was the only thing that actually worked. And I was still functional. Because like mm-hmm. I said, this stuff isn't the high, you know, you no. sit and look at a black light. I mean, this black light's out here, but anyways, uh, <laughs> but they're not trip, the point. trip to. It's for the stripper pole. But okay. uh, anyway, so, but it, it, it really became a medicine to me now. You know, to the point to where, but I don't talk about it a lot because to me it's the same as like, I feel like most people get up and take at least an antidepressant Probably a vitamin, a multivitamin. Who knows, Centrum maybe. I don't know. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> you know, people don't go around going, you know what I take every morning. <laughs> I take a Centrum. Yeah. Most of most people I know have a coffee every morning at least. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And to be honest, the effects of this stuff would probably be like if you drink a couple of cups of coffee, you might feel it like a little bit. Yeah. But you're completely functional. It's not like that. Now, if it was a, a different type of strain, yeah, you could be out to lunch. And uh, occasionally I'll pack a lunch. I'll uh, go out the other team just, you know, for a break. Yeah. When, every once in a while you just wind up sleeping on the barn floor snoring <laughs> while I stand over you playing guitar. Well, yeah, and if that, you're... that was my stream. <laughs> 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 it's a KO, brother. <laughs> it's a KO. <laughs> if you're smoking daily, too, you're going to build a, a tolerance. You're not going to be uh, out of it. You know what I mean? Oh, no, no, I don't even, I hardly, other than the pain going, and I feel like this warmth where the pain goes, I can actually feel as it's working, it goes down my body, and then, but it doesn't change, I I, I still think the same, I still move the same, I mean, I don't, I don't drive on it, um, just because I don't want to have to deal with trying to sort that out in court. (laughs) That's common sense. But I mean, I physically could, I just don't, because I'm trying to be, you know, responsible, and uh, that's really hard for me. So that's that's about as far as I get with it. But yeah, I, but I I totally understand that. And it's it's it is great that there are other people that are getting it and using it for that. I just hope that as time goes on, 
that maybe the way they can regulate it, that it can just become, a, you know, something that they just prescribe and it can lose a mm-hmm. lot of this. Because it also pulls it off the streets if they do that, too, a lot. I mean, should make it a little more accessible for people. I mean, let's, let's be real. The people that are going to want it are going to get it anyway. They're just yeah. going to go to the doctor that just signs everybody up. Yeah. You know, Dr. Green. So that's my doctor. My uh, my mom had like four mini strokes in the last year. Uh, so she's been having a bunch of nerve pain and they had her on a bunch of nerve killers, nerve painkillers and blockers. Nothing mm-hmm. is working. She's so anti-marijuana. Like she mm-hmm. she really had some conversations with me about it when I signed up because I were from a conservative religious yeah, family. I too. Like, yeah, I, I I literally smoked weed and I vaporized it with a dry vaporizer so it wouldn't mess up my lungs uh, too much. Do you have but that I, volcano I, thing? No, I mean it was it's the same principle, but I didn't have four hundred bucks. I had a little. It was called a Magic Flight launch box. It was double A powered, like a battery powered little vaporizer, just so it doesn't you're not smoking anything. But I yeah. used that before I had ever had a beer. Before I, had, I mean, I was I was I was already like nineteen, first time trying it uh and she still had her doubts after seeing how it helped me she had crazy doubts she just like a month ago got a medical card and Mm -hmm. she had one little gummy and she said it made her kind of woozy and i'm like well yeah i mean uh and she's like i didn't like that with a gummy yeah and i'm like she she didn't ask me anything she's just like (laughs) oh "Oh, i went and got a gummy and i'm like yeah that's not but she but she doesn't want to do anything else she just wants to eat it she doesn't want to smoke or anything no that's totally understandable and that's a lot of people do just like i don't like smoking i i i already smoke as it is and i don't like it it's just i'm addicted to smoking but like as far as that goes like i don't even like that smoking. so i do i have the the pills i have uh like the liquids and stuff i have like the straight cbd stuff and then the stuff that's just pure thc uh-huh. And then I have like that vape stuff that's the pure THC that you bring through the vaporizer. Yeah. I would say pen. that's probably the most effective and less dirty. Because that's yeah. the other thing I don't like about it is like that whole stigma of like the smells and you know, you've got you know that's my my room that I'm in right now, you would other than if you see if you saw this, you would know. But yeah. other than that, it's there's no like psychedelics or weird shit up and around, you know. For the audience, he's flashing have, paraphernalia. Uh, yeah, I was flashing a, a bong there, but I don't like have like you know pot posters and like, you know, it's yeah, not I mean, about that. This is because my you're not spot. 17. You're not. You're not a burnout. That's why you don't have pot well, posters. Well, yeah, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> There's a lot of people that find out like secret. They'll find out that I have a medical card, and yeah. then they're from that other side of the dope game. And then they want to come in here and be dope heads, and I'm like, sorry. (laughs) So, but Uh, I try to be understanding. It's just a little hard because some of the drug culture, especially if there's more than, like, three of them, the stupidity of these conversations. It builds in numbers. It it multiplies. Yeah, they get get dumber as they come along. Uh, They feed off each other. Literally. No, they f- they feed on a whole box of pizza and then a whole box of cookies. That's what they do. A fucking pizza! <laughs> sounds about right. Uh, my mom finally started using THCA, which apparently is just deactivated THC, <laughs> yeah. so she's not getting any high from it, but she said that's doing way more than CBD was alone. Well, uh, yeah, so. CBD alone, you can do tons of it, and it will help. But there has to be some THC in there for it to be very, at least for pain, for pain, for pain for me. 
yeah, it's got to have some in there. Or it just doesn't knock it out. But what's amazing is that it can. I mean, the pain that I deal with is no joke. It's debilitating pain. Like, there's been days I cannot get out of bed. My son doesn't smoke. He's 20 years old. And he was one of the ones that was like, you know, you need to do something, Dad. You got to try something, you know. And I was like, I just don't want to do it, you know. But like you said, you know how someone can see the, like, you're amazed someone can see the transition. Because it's like, I go in the bath. I can barely walk. Ten minutes later, I walk out. I go. I'm making dinner. I'm hanging out with my kids. Like, how can you judge that? How can you? I was miserable seeing here, depressed, wondering why I even live. Ten minutes later, I'm out living. You, I, yeah. you can hate it any way you want, but and I don't understand how people can see those transitions and still feel like, well, I don't know, because that happened to me. My own yeah. family, some of them, I'm like, they knew how debilitating, you know, privately this pain's been for years, and yeah. then they would, you know, come and you know they'd say, oh, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'm out, I, I smoked just now, and that's why I'm out here hanging out. You know, we were playing kickball in the yard. I couldn't do that stuff, right? So I was trying to show them, like, this really has a positive effect. And then they still were like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm like, yeah, you don't uh, know. I just kicked that shit 200 feet. I could hardly <laughs> walk yesterday. Like, how can you, you know? But so now I just, most for the most part, that's why I don't talk about tons and tons. And I don't, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a big weed advocate or anything like that. But I know but for my own personal life, same as you, it has been... A non-addictive way, because that's the other thing. I don't, you don't fiend for it. You don't. It's not like other things. It's hard to explain, but it's not even like. It's not an addiction. It's not an addiction. I have addictions. I got Pepsi. I got cigarettes. (laughs) I got Jasmine. I got addictions, but I don't. That's not one of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, But I do. I do definitely benefit from the medicinal parts of you know of the plant for sure. So. yeah, I never thought I'd ever talk about that even on the podcast. I'm kind of <laughs> glad you brought that up because it's it's kind of been one of those things that it's like it's personal, but at the same point, I don't want it to be the end. I'll be off like your existence, you know? It's like yeah, oh, it's, you know? it's yeah. like CrossFit and being vegan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm vegan. You don't, you don't want to be bringing that up all the time. <laughs> I got a friend that like every time he comes over, do you have anything to eat? I'm vegan, and it's like yeah, you've been vegan for two years. I know. You don't have to look through. Is this vegan? I don't know, man. It says milk. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Is it soy milk? No, no, because we're not vegan. So yeah. I don't. I don't. Is this vegan cheese? No. <laughs> the same with weed. You got you got people that use it that that bring it up like like Hey, man, you ever watch a movie with weed? <laughs> you ever get the mail on weed? Like a it's from a. Yes, from I know. Uh, from, uh, no, that's from uh, Half Baked. Half Baked, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's one of, some stand-up comedian did a spot in there, oh, and, I, and he does that. And he's like, the, you know, everything is better. Is this supposed to be enhanced on the weed scene? That's what that's from. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'm a little bit of a stoner. Uh, I kind of knew that <laughs> spot in the movie exactly. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry, I hang out with a pizza monster once in a while. And, uh, but no, but I mean, <laughs> really, like up. Erica... Sorry, sorry, I talked over you. Uh, Erica, my wife, she's a bone marrow transplant nurse because when I had my bone marrow transplant, she saw what all the nurses were doing and was like, oh, that's cool shit. She wanted to do the same thing. And while I had my transplant, I was vaping, I was taking Marinol, I was, I was using weed, and I was hospitalized inpatient for 11 days. And she said that's unheard of. Like, all of her patients are inpatient, like, three weeks or longer. 
and I was out. And I've talked with other people. They're like, yeah, I was on Vicodin. I was taking Norco. I was taking this. I was taking this for sleep and this one to wake up and this one for nausea, mm -hmm. this one for pain. I took Tylenol 3 once in a while if it was really bad. They gave me some. And I used the weed. And that was it. 11 days in and out. Yeah, and Tylenol 3 yeah. is just codeine. So it's not. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's still, but nothing. it's not like you're, you know, popping Norcos. Yeah, that was my strongest prescription through chemo, radiation, bone marrow transplant. Tylenol 3 is the hardest thing I got. Uh, so. it's, that's it's unfortunate. The, the stoner part of me might have came out because if I get cancer, <laughs> I'm, you're just going to hear beep, beep. It's going to come out like a hay yeah. bale. Just <laughs> put it right there. I'd take whatever they gave me, but I wasn't lying to them. So they'd say, what's your pain? You know, one to ten. And, I, and I'm, I'm pretty stoic. Like, I've wrecked a lot of dirt bikes. So I'm like, well, yeah. shit. I mean, if we're going one to ten, like a two, like a, my arm's not bleeding or anything. There's no bone sticking out. So they, I was always under medicated. <laughs> but I had my vape, yeah. so it didn't matter. It was okay. I still think that's a better way to go, though. Yeah, I mean, it's better than to be over-medicated. Next thing you know, you come out and you want to go find some Vicodin. Yeah. Well, the problem with those things is, too, is like the same thing you build up tolerances, but you can't OD on weed. The stuff that you <laughs> took yesterday in an opiate, tomorrow can kill you. The same shit, yeah. the same dose. Like, it's that's how people die. It's just like, man, you know, it. it's sad. And what's really sad is that they knew this when they made this stuff. They hooked everybody on it. Now they're trying to act like we're the problem. Bitches, you're the ones that made it all prescription for them. And they call yeah. stuff like weed the drugs. I think that's fucked up. Because I can smoke weed all day and I don't, I'm not ODing. <laughs> I might think I'm going to die, but I'm not going <laughs> to die. <laughs> Joe Time Logan. might feel like it stopped, but it's still going. <laughs> that's right. You might actually only be going 15 miles an hour in that highway. But, uh, it's that's just why a you pause drive between on songs. It. It's quiet. Yeah. Well, like both you guys touched on, you were saying how, um, you know, like, you know, sometimes things get stigmatized or like people in your family or friends don't understand. And I've found it interesting because, you know, like someone, you know, you make a choice to get a medical card and you take this because of, you know, whatever reasons that you have and other people don't. And I found it interesting because a lot of people that I know have that have that same mentality. These are people that are hardcore addicted to like the opioids. Like there's people taking like four Percocet a day or stuff like that. And I, and I, I will bring it up. I'll be like, so you're against someone taking a medical marijuana for their pain, but you're taking four Percocet. Oh yeah, but that's prescription. Well, so is that marijuana card? No, 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 that's wrong. And I'm like, it's a double standard. It doesn't really make sense. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like you can't really say one's okay and not the other when this one's probably going to kill the person and this one isn't. Yeah. Nobody's, like for me, nobody's died of a weed overdose ever. Yeah. <laughs> and like for me, I'm 38. I've never smoked anything in my life. Not a cigarette, not weed, not anything. And it wasn't because I thought I was better than anyone else or I'm some sort of like morally high horse person or self-righteous. I just didn't want to. For me, there was nothing that ever seemed appealing to me. Literally, I had tons of like peer pressure in that sense never worked on me. People, oh, you should try this. You should take a hit of this. You should. And it was just, no, nah, no, thanks. Oh, man. Like I, you know, like I had someone really want me to try ecstasy. No, no, thanks. Why? I just not interested. And they were like, well, why not? We're all doing it. I don't, I just not interested. That's not no a good thanks. sales pitch. We're yeah. all doing and, it. Yeah. And so for me, it was just like, for me, I was just like, this just isn't going to work on me. 
And so then over the years, I've gotten to know other people in like your uh, particular circumstances where, you know, like I've had problems. Well, like I spoke before in like episode five, I struggled with depression for a long, long time. And for years, everyone was just like, oh, will yourself out of it. Now, I am a big proponent of willpower. Willpower can change a lot. I was sick a few weeks ago. You can't change brain chemistry, though. No, you can't change brain chemistry. But certain things you can will yourself through. I could never will myself out of my brain chemistry. I got on Wilbutrin for like 10 months, and that changed my brain chemistry. Now I haven't taken it in over a year, and it's great. I don't have any issues with it. I haven't had depression since. I'm a lot more confident, a lot more focused, a lot more sure of myself. You are so much and it clearer. Was all just a... Like when, oh, I, yeah. when I talk to Mark now, because I knew him from before, it's like yeah. you're literally a different person. I, it's so bizarre. And there were people that didn't want me to be on Wellbutrin because they thought I was going to change me. They thought I was going to make me into like some drug-addled brain, Zombie. you know, like, oh, it's, you're just going to be all controlled by this. Or you're going to be hooked on this forever. And I was like, no, like, I have to try something. I was like, I've been like this for decades. I hate this. I hate feeling like this. There's that feeling of I, I, I know that my life doesn't have to be like this, but I don't know how to change it. Like, I knew... But just by observation of other people, I'm like, other people aren't feeling like this all the time. Other people aren't going from like, yeah, you, you really know, struggle, having... dude. One day you would just be in the dumps. Yeah. And, then for, and, you know, and I knew it was real depression because it wasn't a stimulus like activated depression. You were just right. down it... because you were down. It was obviously chemical. And, you know, right. I knew because I suffered from mental issues, you know, forever. And I probably, yeah. always, you know, always will. But, but, you know, it, but I knew the struggle that you were in because you came from an environment where it's like anything you take is bad. You're supposed yeah. to just willpower everything. And I mean, I get people like there is a certain value to that, like you said, but there are limits to those things. And everyone's personal journey will take them wherever it takes them. But I know that for me, I tried everything when it when it came to pain. There's not really many options. People really there's just not. And uh, yeah. it's a short list of things that actually work when you have real pain. There's not many things that can even touch real pain. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it makes that list a little quicker to get maybe get to where we're at. You know what I mean? Because those options are yeah. a little limited. And the stuff that they do offer, the side effects are, you know, when people take opiates, the side effects are pretty bad, man. I mean, uh, even si- even though they're, they're getting some of the benefits for the dealing with the pain, they have all these weird side effects like itching and prickling feelings because they're putting more and more of that shit in their body and they're getting reactions. Then they got to take stuff to not itch. They got to take stuff, like you said, to go to sleep. Then they got to take shit to wake them up. Mm -hmm. It's like, it just starts a a circle of drug stuff. Cause when I was growing up, like I didn't get peer pressure to do stuff. I was the kid that was like, yo, you want to try some Coke? I'm trying to make some (laughs) cash. Um, So I no, I don't use it. I don't drug. use it myself, but uh, I need this money. So, but um, no, I I didn't do that. But I mean, like I I didn't get pressured. I just was that experimental idiot, and I realized really young, like in high school, that uh, I have an addictive personality. And so when I got older and realized what I was dealing with this much later in life, I realized I don't need to do anything that's addictive. My history's not good with that, and I just don't want to go that route. So I didn't. And uh, I'm really glad that I did find this when I found it because I have a functional life again. Yeah. 
and that's really what the point I was trying to make is like, it's good to have like a support network because, you know, we all need family and friends around us to support us, especially when we're going through something, you know, when, whether it's like something mental, a mental illness, or it's more physical, or it's just a hard time in life, you know, stuff comes to everybody's life. Well, it was really interesting and what you it's said. It's good though. to have those people. Sorry, Mike. Well, it's good. No, it's okay. It's good to have. It's good to have the support network, but they're not always right. Mm-hmm. Like, there's are times where you have to be like, you know what? I have to do what's best for me, even if everybody else thinks this is the worst decision for me. Because I've had to do that a couple times over the last like five or six years, and it was kind of interesting because when I Juan, when I first asked you to do this podcast with me you brought that up you were like yeah you were like i could tell you were like always the you're the kind of guy in the family where you're all you're not really looking for like you know the people's approval in your family like you're doing things and they're like oh i wish he wouldn't do that but you're like ah whatever i'm doing it anyway and i'm like i am more that kind of personality i'm like you know what this is what i want to do i'm gonna go for it if it blows up in my face you know what at least i tried and i explored that if i made a mistake then i learned from it I'm not the type of person that's too afraid to do anything or too just like unsure to try something. And so like that's like you know people are like oh you might have had an easier life if you hadn't taken so many risks. I would be bored out of my mind if I didn't take any risks. Like risks are a part of life. Stupid risks are stupid. And then sometimes you just need to do something that other people may think is a risk but it's not. Mhm. And you, sometimes you just need to do something for yourself. Yeah, and sometimes those risks pay off. Like, it was interesting what you were saying uh, about your recovery, that because you were doing this, like, you were out of there, and you said, what, seven days? Eleven. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah, but, like, it was substantially less. The other ones yeah. were weeks. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and that that just speaks for itself. You don't have to make a case. It's like, uh, you get suckers in here for two more weeks. I'm walking today. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, With no yeah, pain but, pills, uh, yeah. It's nice that it's nice that there are more more. Uh, it's getting a better view now, you know. I hope, and uh, I just I just really wish that there wasn't that other side to the drug culture. That's that's yeah. well, it, you know, and that's the side that gets all the media attention. That's the side that gets you know promoted and pushed and everything like that. And I mean, I, you know, I get it, but at the same point, uh, people need to also realize that anything. Most substance, most substances can be abused no matter what they are. Yeah, and it just happens to be one that's just more publicly acceptable. Well, well alcohol is the just, most acceptable. Yeah, and the most it, destructive. It's even not just it's even not just substances. Like I've said to several people before, I'm like, <laughs> I had a conversation with someone a few years ago, and they were like, "I'm literally not addicted to everything." I was like, "You are lying." And no, I was like, "Everybody has some sort of addiction that they struggle with. Some people eat too much ice cream. Some people, you know, it's pe- people can make an addiction out of almost anything, even a good thing." And I mean, there's so it's more than just substances. So like, everybody's got to struggle with something. So I've always tried personally to be understanding and compassionate of other people when they're struggling with something and to not jump all over them or get all in their case. It's okay to be like, Hey, you know what? This kind of behavior is kind of concerning, you know, it, but you know, you don't need, cause like everybody uses something to escape from the stresses of life. Check out watching the TV, playing video games for three in the morning, you know, following your favorite sports team so much that you spend all your money on buying their gear and stuff like that. It's Foot anything finishes. can become some sort of like coping mechanism. You just got to watch those things. Yeah. And as men, it's interesting how we're always like left out to pasture 
We don't get well. I mean, like we don't get all that support that a lot of women get with their friends and their because their relationships tend to be probably more intimate and and as a general rule, you know, like yeah. regularly where we're like you know guys, you know, basically how it is with me. It's like I I really care about people and my friends, but like if you're not in front of me, I'm not thinking about your ass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll see you on uh, Thursday at uh, nine. You know, like, that's not totally true, but I mean, but as a rule, it's like we got shit to do, we got stuff going on. You know, you know that's it's the way we think. Yeah. We do think differently. And anyone that tries to yeah. pretend like we don't and that we're the same, we are not the same. I don't care what agenda you're from, we are different, and we are uh, the ones that are supposed to have the dicks, not you. I don't know why you're getting confused. It's 2019 now. They, any anybody anything can have dicks, apparently. Everybody's got dicks. I guess I'm just gonna have to accept that. Everybody's got dicks. <laughs> Thank you. It's Skirts, been a good therapy pants, session. whatever. They're all they're all dicked up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but, I'm uh, serious. I saw a lady the other day standing there holding her dick. This is like what? <laughs> it's like she's wearing slacks and everything. Slacks, man. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but I totally understand what you're talking about. Uh, you know, the different dynamics between men and women. I've got a, a cousin in Albuquerque, and he's he's my favorite cousin. I only have two, and it's his brother. So I, I guess, luckily, like eight people are going to hear this, so it's not going to be either one of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a short list if they make it this far, believe me. But when I'm in town, when I'm in Albuquerque, I'll, I'll see him like nonstop all day long. He's a mechanic. I'll go over to his shop during the week and just work for him for free and just help him change oil and, you know, hang out with him. If I'm not in Albuquerque, I don't, I don't say hi to him at all. I have a reminder on Google on my calendar. I call him on his birthday. Mm. Uh, that's it. Neither one of us are really on Facebook. We don't text. If I, he's a mechanic. So if I like see a car review and I got a question, I send him a text about the car. And then not even like, hey, how's the family? Just like, did you see that new, t- new Corvette? What do you think? What do you think? And then he'll answer about the car, and that's it. Eight months later, Christmas, we're hanging out. That's yeah. me and my brother. <laughs> we don't talk for hardly ever. When the two album came out, he was up my ass on the phone. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, have you heard the new one? I was like, I got it when it first came out. I, mean, I was like, oh, dude. I... Okay. But yeah, that's just how guys are. Like, you don't talk for 20 years. Mark and I didn't talk for several years, and it was like the first yeah. time we talked. It's like you don't you don't miss a beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. That's just how I, that part of being a guy I really like, because all the women in my life are way too much maintenance outside of that. I gotta tell my wife I love her every day. Do you know how freaking frustrating that is? <laughs> every day I gotta tell you, bitch. I show you. I told my kids tonight. I asked him to do something. He didn't do it. He's like, "Oh, Dad, I promise." From the basement. I was like, "Listen, man, I don't give a shit about your words." I want your actions. You can tell me you love me all day, but if you don't come up here and do this, I'm going to assume you don't. So it's like, you know, but yeah, so it's nice with guys. You don't have to do that so much. I don't got to explain why I have, you know, do I have a new best friend? Girls are like, gosh, I'm not even going to get started. No, I'm going to piss too many of them off. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going down that route. We got a we got a phone line where they can call and leave angry messages. I'm not about to go down that angry feminist route. I'm not but against you feminist know. at all, but yeah, 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 I'm totally against it. I mean, I, I think I think every every time you start a debate, you need to define your parameters. So you wouldn't say, you know, if feminism is defined as being in support of equality, we'd all be feminists. But it's being mm-hmm. as defined as 
I don't even know. I, I can't define modern feminism. It's different I, every I day. It's oh, it's there's a lot of alphabet letters going on. I don't. Well, not only that, know. like it's different for each person, but now everything is so confusing and considerably. It's weird. Society wants to be totally open and accepting, but yet I feel at the same time we're under the most scrutiny ever. Like I never felt so much pressure not to say the wrong things. I like literally have a list of words that I just cannot use on a podcast because. Yep. Though no matter how you spin it, you're never going to be able to make that smooth. And it's just like, you know, for people to think that there's not racism or they're not racist, yes, you are. Y'all racist. Every last motherfucking <laughs> one of us is racist. But what I mean by that is you are always going to judge people by how they look. It may not be just their color. It might be their clothes. It might be the vehicle they drive, the neighborhood they live in. Listen, when I go to a friend's house and I haven't seen him in a while, and I start seeing a gun store, liquor store, gun store, liquor store, okay, <laughs> that puts cheese. a certain amount of perspective on who I'm going to assess who I'm seeing in this neighborhood. I don't care what color they are. I know what neighborhood I'm in. So mm -hmm. the idea that we don't process information based on appearance is bull. Shit. It's bullshit. Everybody does it. How do you assess a girl? How she looks when you first see it. The same way she assesses whether you're going to rape her or not. She looks at you and goes, well, he doesn't look like a rapist. Or maybe he does. In my case, they run a little bit. But I'm just saying, for them to pretend like, for people to pretend like they don't make judgments on people based on just an appearance is completely ridiculous. And, you know, and most of the things and the things that people joke about when it comes to racism is because half that shit is based in truth. Like you were talking about the Joe Coy thing. Yeah. Right? That I watched that again. That is one of the funniest. <laughs> it's so funny. But the reason that it's funny and the reason that most of the time people laugh even at our humor is because it's based yeah. in, a, in, a, in truth. Some of it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is yeah. exaggerated, spun off, and like that. You know, like you're talking about parameters. That is very important to state like where you're going. But now it's like so scary out there. I feel like I can't even touch certain subjects. Even if I tried to set up a parameter, it's still going to be like, well, it wasn't good enough for Sally in Houston. It's like, oh, sorry, Sally. Like, you know, the one person out of, you know, all eight listeners, you got to be the problem. <laughs> Come on. So, but I, you know, it is what it is. It's just, we live in a weird time now. I, you know, especially being my age. Because I, I grew up in the age when you could just be real with people. And I haven't yeah. changed. And I realize it makes people angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I grew up when the internet was around, but you could still do stuff on it without people knowing. Like, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't really well known. Like, your mom could walk in and be like, what's that? And you could literally just say, like, oh, a forum. And she'd go, oh, okay, and shrug. Mm -hmm. And not know anything about it. Now everything tracks everything you do. Like, uh -huh. I didn't realize how bad that got till just recently because I was on, it, it was uh, Marketplace or something, which is on Facebook. And I noticed right away, all of a sudden, the stuff that I usually look for, that was the only shit popping up. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, they keep track of everything I put in. There's uh -huh. stuff crunching this information. You know, and I'm getting ads that only pertain to, like, you know, are you old and your dick doesn't work? You know, you're like, wait, is that me? I'm perking up. Like, do you need a multivitamin that doesn't say silver? Yeah, that's me. Like, how'd you know? It's because a discreet they... adult vitamin. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, but you're right. And it used to be, you used to felt, you used to feel like you had some privacy. Now you don't feel like you have any privacy. Even on, like you said, even online on the computer. Like, well, I remember when I first heard about the cloud. 
I was like, oh, it's the man. <laughs> it's the man. He's going to have all the dirty pictures of my wife and everybody else. Everybody else now. She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're in trouble now. And I yeah. think it adds to depression. Like, since, since now everybody's grandma's on Facebook, everybody's yeah. on Facebook. People don't put up Facebook posts talking about how crappy their life is unless they're trying no. to get attention. So yeah. everybody's posting the one good, fun thing they did that week. And then you look mm -hmm. at it, and all you see is thousands of awesome people going boating and going to eat at expensive restaurants and doing whatever. And you're like, man, my life sucks. And you probably yeah. had more fun that week than they did. You just didn't put it on Facebook. Yeah. It's just... No, I actually do believe that that... I mean, there's studies that have shown that. And that's something I do believe, because I saw that in myself. Like, I went uh, this past winter... I just stopped using social media for like six months and um, I felt so much better. Mm. And I was like, I didn't post anything. I didn't, I didn't look at anything. I just deleted all the apps and I suspended all my accounts. And I was like, wow, like I was having, I was had a more fulfilled, happy existence, just like doing the things, just focusing on my life and then the people in my life rather than worrying about what everybody else was doing. Then I realized I'm not missing out on anything, really. Like, because a lot of you know people, oh, well, we why don't you on there? We use it to keep in touch. I'm like, how come you never send me a message? How come you never send anything on my wall? Like, the most people that send me, I mean, it's like, really, it's like an invite to an event. Like, oh, hey, there's Taco Night downtown Houston. Do you want to go? I'm like, you could shoot me a text for that if you wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And most people won't do that. I've A lot of people like, oh, but we should hang out. I'm like, you know, <laughs> So, like, the most ridiculous stuff. Like, last year I was dating someone, and she's like, oh, well, you know, we don't talk. I'm like, the phone works both ways. I call you, and you don't answer. You know? Oh, well, texting's easier. Mm. Yeah, but if you want to talk to me, pick up your phone. Texting's or not call talking, me back. man. Yeah. I'm like, texting is the most efficient way to screw up something. Uh -huh. It's Especially a dating relationship. Yeah. Especially and for men. Like, yeah. And so many people just... It's become this like I only want to interact through people with people through my phone, and it's so unhealthy, and it's so just it really does like it puts a barrier between you and everyone around you, and then also you don't really you you're not really developing social skills, and then at the same time it's also depressing because you think everyone's having a better thing than you, or, or the the thing that I you know it's like oh well you know someone so is dating this person and the, oh I need to go find somebody like that or and it's like no just. Like develop your own social skills, find your own life, and get off of Facebook. Like, I, <laughs> like I still hardly ever post anything on Facebook, Facebook or Instagram. More now, more so because of the podcast. But like personal stuff, you can go back and look at my feeds, and it's you know well, every couple. Going of back months. to what he was saying about like you put people put forth this like the same fake profile of yeah. life. That we used to get directly where everyone's like, everything's awesome. And then, you know, you find out it's not. The truth is, we're all the same. We're all kind of, there's nobody really, I don't really feel knocking it out. And anyone really, we're all just kind of going through the same stuff. It's just what people want to pro project as what's going on. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. you know, the only thing problem I have is when people want to tell, like, show me pictures of every meal they make. Because, not because I think that's stupid, but because I'm jealous of their food. And I don't really <laughs> like that. When Mark puts up, hey, you know, we had an amazing dinner. And he, like, takes a picture, and it's, like, you know, five-course meal. 
sitting across from this chick who doesn't even eat. I'm like, what the hell? Why is she there? That is a pet peeve of mine when I'm like, I'm about to she bite into something. She needs to smoke some weed, man. Some lunches. It's two months here. She'll have black rings around her eyes. And she'll be about 220. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be I'm real probably, happy. Uh, I'm probably in a lot of photos, like eating while everybody else is taking the photo and everybody's sitting there waiting. You know, I'm just like, yeah. So I'm not posting this on anything. I kept my Facebook because, or else uh, my grandma wouldn't have any way to send me photos of cats. And then she'd call me and send them directly to my phone. So that way there's a cat, you know, currency Barrier. being exchanged. Uh, and then people can wish me happy birthday every year that I'll never see. Uh, because yeah. I don't have the app on my phone or anything. I just left the account. What active. is the deal with the birthday wish? I don't yeah. give a shit. As a guy, I don't think I've cared about my birthday since I was like maybe 12, 11. I don't know. I don't care. I didn't, Thanks, matter you're fact, older. I just uh, turned uh, 47. But I already thought I oh, was 47. Fuck. So like, I'm just getting a repeat, man. <laughs> like, I don't care. So like, what are you going to get for your birthday? I'm like, I don't know. I Anything I want, you can't afford. <laughs> Yeah. Like, Coming up to that funny. social security age. <laughs> there. Oh, I'm living it. Let me tell you. <laughs> it was funny because in 2018, there's an option on Facebook to like hide your birthday so no one will be notified. And I did it for my birthday in 2018. And literally the only people that sent me like my each of my grandmas sent me a birthday card. My dad and my brother. And my sister-in-law said happy birthday, and my girlfriend did. Nobody else did because it wasn't on Facebook. And I didn't care. I wasn't all butthurt. I didn't get all depressed. I was like, you know what? This is actually kind of nice. I don't have to scroll through 40 things of people who don't really care if it's my birthday or not. And reply, thanks. Thanks. Uh, did, you, thanks. Uh, get, yeah. did you get my comment that I made on your picture? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine saw that. She looked at me. She was like, Really? <laughs> I was like, well, either that or he's the gay friend. I think we'll go with the pirate. Because <laughs> nowadays you, you got to clarify that, you know? No, you haven't. It was, <laughs> okay, of course you would. We were just talking. Uh, I went on a boat trip with Jasmine and Hang and a couple of their friends. And this was me and four women. And so we took a picture of all those together on top of the boat, and Juan put, you look like a pirate with all the booty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, That's good stuff. It was weird, and you're all on that one end of the ship, and I was like, why is it not, like, tilting down? (laughs) 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 We had a pretty decent-sized little ship there. <laughs> it was a big boat, yeah. yeah. It was like a two-story boat. It was a fun. It was a fun trip too. Was that like a charter deal? Yeah, it was a charter. It was like an open charter thing. It was like some yacht club, but they had it just open to the public, and it was like twenty-five bucks a person. And they had it was catered and everything. And it was the the people were really cool on the boat, and they had like a little raffle and everything. And it was really fun. Uh, it was only like two or two and a half hours, but. At first, I was like, oh, I'll just go. It'll be fun to go be with Jasmine and hang and like meet some more people. And it turned out to be a lot more fun than I expected. It was a little exp- a little more expensive than I thought it should have been, but it was still a good time. Yeah, that's There was some is. like teenage kids that were like help working on the boat. All they did was like sit in the downstairs cabin and eat pizza. They, they didn't do anything. <laughs> and one of them told Hang she should go back upstairs, and I thought she was going to like stab him in the face. <laughs> She was not happy. 
I was like, don't don't mess with Hang. <laughs> don't. I know what Hang can I do. You to, don't I mess you with to Hang. I needed you to do a voice and a response, and it didn't happen. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I want to hear what, what should have been said. <laughs> I would have snatched his pizza right out of his face. <laughs> I thought, you know what? I think you've been chilling enough. You go upstairs. I'm going to finish the pizza. <laughs> I, I hang probably would have been like anybody have a big ring. Let me let me put it on my hand here, and they just wallop the guy. Because <laughs> when we left, she told the captain, she's like, "This kid's being a dick." <laughs> she, she like blasted the kid. <laughs> the captain's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." She's like, "No, I'm serious." <laughs> sorry, Stephen, yeah. your privileged job could be taken. <laughs> oh yeah and it was funny because there was like 10 guys it wasn't even there was like 10 guys that were quote working on the boat and there was maybe like 35 guests on there and the captain and the other lady that was in charge of all the entertainment and two other people that were catering those four people were the only people doing anything i was like what are these other i was like what are you all doing here like you haven't done a thing no that sounds right (laughs) that's like every job i've ever worked at yeah, there's like and four people working going, out of like, every ten. Yeah, how did you get this part where you get to do nothing? Yeah, yeah. Why am I working? Yeah, I'm always <laughs> the one in the back, like Ah, Pedro, get it. <laughs> My name is Juan. It's Juan, not Pedro. Yeah, whatever. Some kind of working Hispanic guy. Close enough. Working Hispanic. <laughs> I actually work with a guy named Pedro. So every time you say that, I think of him. <laughs> He works hard, don't he? Huh? Huh? Yeah, yep. he does. <laughs> Breaks a sweat every day. <laughs> uh-huh. It's genetic, man. We can't help it. <laughs> I'm at work does now. He, I gotta does get he bring serious. like a packed lunch? No. no. Well, sometimes. Most of the time he goes and gets lunch, but every once in a while. My dad was a foreman uh, on some construction sites. And he would have like all of the you know Hispanic guys that were on his team, and they'd all feel mm. so bad for him because all of them, their wives packed him all lunch, and his wife didn't mm. give him shit. And they'd be like, <laughs> Carl, Carl, come here, man. Hey, take a burrito. You know, have something. Come on, Carl, you gotta eat. He's like, no, it's okay. And he's like, no, seriously, I had her make me extra. Like like the guys were having their wives cook extra burritos <laughs> just to give him a lunch. You could tell like, he I never had anything right. To eat. Because he referred to them yeah. as the team. That yeah. is some political. That's awesome. Man, I never got considered part of the team. Team? What would they, would they call you? <laughs> I was just the work part. <laughs> if you can say it out loud. <laughs> well, they didn't get to call me anything negative. Because uh, that's how you get thrown off a building. But uh, <laughs> I did pretty well. They thought Most of them probably thought I was white anyway. So other than the name, they're probably like, I don't get it. Why do you go by Juan? <laughs> Passes mix. My name. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I did that for a long time, and I enjoyed it. He was doing mainly, like, industrial hygiene, so mainly supervising teardowns of places with lead and asbestos and stuff in it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, refabs. Uh, so making sure everybody's wearing their mask and everything. But mm-hmm. And I think he's got asbestosis now, because he's been doing it for, like, 30, 40 years, and he's oh, got yeah. symptoms. Like, now they all wear their proper masks. Uh, now they all make sure their beard's small enough to fit under the respirator. Not yeah. not so much like in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> in Chicago is where he's working. There was so Used much I needed hair in the 80s. Just have no idea. 
<laughs> yep. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much, Andy, for being on this episode of the podcast with us. The, it was a real treat. A pleasure. You're sure. welcome. Anytime. I've got nothing else going on in my life uh, except depression uh, with little <laughs> bits of sleep in between. Oh, hell, you got to come over. <laughs> need Four somebody to here. risk their life with me on a motorcycle? Need, need a riding buddy? Yeah, I'll, I'll come ride with you. Okay, excellent. I'll have him gassed up. I'll take the video okay. after the crash. <laughs> My friend just broke his collarbone. Last time I rode with him, he broke his collarbone. No insurance. Five grand for an x-ray. Just an x-ray. Oh my and the x-ray said, yeah, your collarbone's broken. Go home and do nothing for two months. I was going to say, it. but what's the point of an x-ray? They don't do anything for those. I was trying to talk him out of it because I knew. I, you know, I had dirt bike. I'm like, it's probably your collarbone. It's probably your collarbone. We can turn around. Uh, but he was, yeah. he, his sister's a doctor, and she's like, no, you need to go. He's on a payment <laughs> plan for the rest of his life now. That, oh, my goodness. That's not a real uh, friendly sister. Doctor. Nope. <laughs> uh, Help a brother out, fun. damn. No kidding. <laughs> What's five grand to you? Come on. <laughs> you made him do it. I, I, uh, that's that's it, true. Man, I was... I'm going to start looking on Craigslist for my own x-ray machine. Fuck that. I'm... There you go. But that was one of those cases where he's like, yeah, I was going around the corner and just grabbed a handful of gas. He, he popped a wheelie through the intersection and tried to turn while he's on a wheelie. And oh went right goodness. into a mailbox. <laughs> and then we straightened up the mailbox real quick and took off. Uh, <laughs> and he could move his arm fine. Like, he rode back, yeah. and then, like, five minutes later, he's like, I can't lift my arm. Uh, <laughs> after the adrenaline wore off. Yeah, after that uh, initial yeah. rush of the adrenaline, that pain. That's But clavicles hurt, though. I bet. Yeah, I've had I've just cracked mine, and I, it was pretty bad. Uh, but Mark, it's like been that. real. I'm gonna try to brainstorm some topic ideas for you guys. I feel like you. I feel like we need to develop some. I keep saying we. It's not my podcast. You guys need <laughs> to develop more of a, like a, a theme or like a, a something. Some segments. That would be fun. Yeah, something. I'm always open to anybody's ideas. We got a spitball. Come up with something. Heck yeah. I've got some segments. You got some segments <laughs> built up. Yeah. Juan time. Talking yep. with Juan. What, what could we name it? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully not that. I don't know. One, <laughs> one thoughts, one rants. One we'll rant. One's rant of the day. We'll see. Oh, they, they, you, I probably could do a rant of the day. <laughs> but anyways, it's been a pleasure. Oh shoot! And uh, I definitely yes. would like to. Uh, I'd definitely like to have you on again. It was really nice talking to you. Oh yeah, we'll have you on again. Excellent. Uh, well, gentlemen, y'all have a good night. You too. Wish you all continued. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Juan. Seahawk Predator out. Bye-bye.